Welcome to the African History Network show. It is Monday, February 14th, 2022, and we are live. So um, we know that uh, a lot of people celebrating Valentine's Day today. Uh, National Retail Federation uh, expects, I think the number is uh, 14, uh, I think the number is about 23 uh, billion is expected to be spent uh, on Valentine's Day uh, this year for the National Retail Federation. We'll get that uh, information up for you also. Uh, between Usually between 22 and $23 billion is spent a year. Uh, and this is also Frederick Douglass' birthday as well. Frederick Douglass um, ran away from a plantation in Maryland. He didn't know his uh, exact date of birth or the exact year he was born. So this is his assumed birthday, February 14th. Um, the, uh, the National Retail Federation uh, states that uh, Valentine's Day spending is expected to reach $23.9 billion in 2022, up from $21.8 billion in 2021. So we know um, yesterday's show was jam-packed, and we talked a lot about the NFL. We talked about the lawsuit uh, that uh, from Brian Flores, former head coach of uh, the Miami Dolphins. We talked some about Colin Kaepernick, and um, we're going to – uh, give some updates today. And we, we talked about uh, the, yesterday's topic was um, NFL's racism problem is overshadowing the Super Bowl. NFL's racism problem is overshadowing the Super Bowl. That was our main topic on uh, Sunday show. So there's this uh, poll that came out and they talked about this morning on Morning Joe. Um, Los Angeles Times um, has a survey and it deals with people's opinions of the uh, of the NFL, okay? And uh, Los, Los Angeles Times has an article about this, as well as the uh, businessinsider.com. And this was a, a, a Los Angeles Times and Survey Monkey poll. And it reveals that 45% of people who... Uh, are Republicans or independents who lean Republican, 45% of them think that the NFL is doing too much to help black uh, NFL players. They think the league is doing too much to help uh, African-American NFL players. And 52% of Republicans surveyed oppose the Rooney Rule, okay, the 2003 Rooney Rule, which is supposed to bring diversity to coaching. We're going to talk about this on today's show because there's something uh, there's a there's a deeper issue here. It's a good article from the uh, L.A. Times on this. There was a really good segment on Morning Joe from um, MSNBC that uh, discussed this also. Okay, so we're going to deal with that on today's show. Um, And then also we'll give an update because Brian Flores is expected to expand his lawsuit to also include the Houston, Texas, Texans as well uh, for a retaliation. You have that going on. Uh, you have a lot of people commenting about the Super Bowl halftime show, the uh, hip hop halftime show. And as I said on yesterday's show, the Super Bowl halftime show is designed to be a distraction from the bigger problems that the NFL is having regarding race. 
and regarding racism, okay? Um, and you have uh, uh, some people echoing that as well uh, today. There was a good article from Jahan Jones for MSNBC uh, for the readout blog, Joanne Reed's uh, readout blog, NFL Super Bowl halftime show was a master class in gaslighting. NFL Super Bowl halftime show was a master class in gaslighting. Uh, the Dr. Dre led performance was awesome, but it played into the NFL's plan to distract from the league's race and gender issues. And this is what I was saying. Okay. Now we also found out that uh, they didn't get paid. The artists didn't get paid to perform. It's a good opportunity for them to perform. Now something bigger, it, 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 there's, a, there's a bigger issue here, but you know, it's a good opportunity. Um, Dr. Dre uh, via tweet revealed that he paid $7 million uh, to put on the halftime show. But I want to pull up this uh, piece here from where's, where's the article here from uh, Jahan Jones. We'll, we'll get to that also. Now, there was uh, Rolling Stone has a good piece also. Um, and this was an interview with Brian Flores and three uh, and, and uh, two, I think it's two former NFL, two current NFL players and one former NFL player, I think it is. Um, this is a, this came out February 13th. Okay. This article here from uh, rollingstone.com. And in this interview, um, he, uh, Brian Flores is saying that the number one issue that, uh, they need to deal with the NFL needs to deal with the number one issue is African-American ownership of teams. That's the number one issue. Not coaches, but African-American ownership of teams, okay? Uh, if we look at this article here, we're going to talk about this. Number one is black ownership. Brian Flores on how to fix the NFL's diversity problem. Number one is black ownership. This is what I've been saying. Coaches, coaches that's, that's nice, but coaches can be fired. If you own the team, you can hire the coach. You can hire the general manager. And as they talk about in this article, coaches and the GMs, I'm sorry, the uh, ownership, number one, GMs, number two, general managers, number two, the front office. So we're going to talk about this and we'll talk a little bit about the the halftime show and some specifics dealing with it. Not necessarily performances, but some things surrounding the halftime show. Now, somebody asked a question. Do you think Eminem kneeling during the halftime show was of any significance? Not really. Because what's going to follow up him kneeling? So people will talk about it for a day. Next next week, they're not going to be talking about it. So what's what's if if so there was there was a piece from. Um, OK, we'll talk about this on the other side of the break. There was some articles I was reading about that today. The Grio has one as well. But um, if it, it, it is Eminem taking a knee while Dr. Dre was uh, doing a, uh, on the piano, doing a tribute to Tupac, is that significant? So some people are saying, OK. Uh, he's taking a knee for Colin Kaepernick. Okay, so what's going to follow up the knee? You listen to the African History Network show on Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. The work that I do is larger than the fashion industry. It's larger than the art world. 
and I believe that I was born to bring newness into this world. I'm Kaima McIntyre, I'm 24 years old and I'm an artist. I create everything from paintings to jewelry design, metaphysical jewelry to be specific, and fashion design. The only reason why my prom dress went viral is because people needed it. Within a few days of going viral, Notori Naughton reached out to me. She's like, I saw your dress, can you make me a dress? I was equally as shocked to be asked by a celebrity to design their dress at the age of 17. That's just one person and the list just continues to go on to Janet Jackson, to Tyra Banks. It really hits home. That means that the discussion is happening on the grounds in real time. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Monday, February 14th, 2022, and we are live. All right. So uh, I want to go to this first clip here. This is from Morning Joe. Uh, we're going to clip on Shakita. This deals with this uh, new study that uh, just came out dealing with opinions about the uh, NFL and their treatment towards African-Americans. Let's go to clip number one. All right. So I guess we're getting the queued up. Um, just a second here. All right. So this article here from the L.A. Times, uh, many Republicans think the NFL does too much for black players and are losing interest in the league poll shows. Many Republicans think the NFL does too much for black players and are losing interest in the league poll shows. Now, this article is from February 9th. Just hold the clip for a second. This this this, uh, this article is from February 9th, uh, uh, two thousand twenty-two. Uh, Businessinsider.com also has uh, an article from February thirteenth, dealing with this same study. Okay, more than half of Republicans oppose the Rooney Rule. More than half of Republicans oppose the Rooney Rule which mandates NFL teams interview minority candidates for head coaching positions. Uh, okay, let's go to the clip here. This is from Morning Joe this morning. Out of controversy over how the NFL handles the hiring of black coaches, a new poll shows just how split the country is on race as it pertains to the league. So here it is, the Los Angeles Times and SurveyMonkey asked whether the NFL is doing too much or not enough to show respect for its black athletes. The poll found that a fifth of respondents feel the NFL is doing too much. It's a number driven by Republican respondents, 45 percent. Nearly half of those polled that identify as Republicans say the league is doing too much to show respect for black players. Look at that. I just want to hold that up on the screen for a second, Dave. And, and Dave, uh, I'd love to say that this is just one poll. Uh, but as we look at this uh, graphic on the screen, I can tell you that during the um, during the 2020 campaign, I would call uh, people running uh, the uh, Democratic Party and and the Republican Party, and I'd say, "Well, what are the issues? Give, give me a top three issues." And uh, one one of the top Republican pollsters I know um, said to me, "Well, Joe, uh, it's one is defund the police." We're using that. You can take the screen down now, guys. 
One is defund the police. Uh, I get that all the time. Uh, two were the COVID shutdowns, the COVID lockdowns. People are really reacting to that. And three is the NFL. The NFL is just a gift that keeps on giving. And I'm sitting here thinking about all these political issues. I go, the NFL? What, what, do, you, what do you mean the NFL? And he said the NFL. He said, it, it, it's like, you got like white guys across this state said, we don't even ask the question. They bring it up. So this has become, for Republicans, a cultural hotbed. Talk, talk about that. Yeah, and th there's a, a racism that undergirds this that goes back in the sports world since the days of the boxer Jack Johnson, which is this idea that black athletes are there to be seen and not heard, that they are there to entertain but not say what they actually think about the world and that they should be grateful, and that's the word that's always used, grateful for the opportunity to entertain and play a game for money, as if they're not workers for this multi-billion dollar uh, organization and corporation where the average career is only three and a half years and contracts aren't guaranteed. I mean, the, and also where injuries and head injuries are so prevalent. The idea that the NFL does too much for black players, I can tell you was met with peals of laughter in many a locker room where this poll was discussed. I mean, among NFL players, the joke is that NFL stands for not for long because you're there and then you're gone. The idea, and especially when you consider what the NFL does or doesn't do for retired players, who of course are also disproportionately black. I mean, it's a very upsetting poll. I mean, the poll question itself feels like a very racially loaded push poll where they're asking people basically like, does the NFL do too much for black people? So the poll question is disturbing. And then the response, I think, reveals something very much about where we are in this country in the culture of backlash. I mean, so instead of actually listening to what some of these players have to say about their world and about the opportunities they have in the league, there's an immediate shutdown because the mere fact that they're talking disqualifies them from even having an opinion. Yeah, you know, Jonathan Lemire, the only thing I would say about uh, the push-poll aspect of this is that that uh, I would suggest that since people are volunteering this information to Republican pollsters during the 2020 campaign, uh, that it's actually uh, a much bigger problem than that. And, and the problem is that you do have an overwhelming number of Republican voters we believe the NFL is doing too much for, for black players. The NBA is doing too much for black players. Uh, other leagues are doing too much for black players. You, you hear it, uh, you see it, you read it in these polls. Well, if Republicans feel like NFL, the NFL is doing too much for black players, they haven't voted with their eyeballs. They haven't turned off the games. They haven't stopped watching. NFL TV ratings huge this year. We haven't got them last night from the Super Bowl yet, but the playoffs were setting records. Uh, so they're certainly not, at least for now, quitting the product. Uh, but right for now, I wanted to ask you, as we go into this, I know you've talked, you've interviewed Coach Flores, uh, what the next steps there may be for that case. We heard from President Biden over the weekend, and there's an interview with Lester Holt also expressing dismay at how few black head coaches there were in the NFL, a league that is 65 70% black. Uh, Commissioner Goodell in his pre-Super Bowl news conference acknowledged it was a problem but didn't really offer any solutions. What is the coach saying next in terms of the next steps of his lawsuit, and what do you think can be done in the short term to start fixing this? I think that the coach has uh, said that he's pursuing this as a class action suit, so it's not just him. In the lawsuit, they said that you have to do certain things on a broad level, 
And I understand, and we were told by Commissioner Goodell, they're not going to try to string this out like they did Kaepernick. They're going to have to deal with this. On the civil rights side, we intend to have some of these municipality governing bodies call them in. So I have a hearing saying, why should we continue to put money in here? Which means they're going to force to be given timetables and goals in order to maintain public funding. This is not going to just linger now. We're going to follow this up immediately. And I, th I think, you know, when people say in polls, I think we're doing too much for black athletes. The real question is, okay, what do you think you're doing too much of? And they can't answer that because there's nothing there. So if somebody says you're doing too much, okay, what is that? And I think that if we really look at it in, in the whole qu a question of American history, there have always been people that accepted blacks to entertain them, but not to be able to engage and do business with them. They can accept our being the entertainers, but not the owners, not the ones that can be in the front office. And that is reflected in, in the biggest sports in the business, football and basketball. And we've got to break through that. Those cultural breakthroughs are as important as the political breakthroughs. But you know, Rev, we we can talk about coaches all day. I mean, we can say, we can talk about needing more black coaches all day. But who's going to be hiring the black coaches? It's going to be the white owners, right? So the question is, why uh, you, you have you have thirty two what thirty two NFL teams? I, I hope I'm close. Uh, you have a lot of NFL football teams, and not one black owner. You got to start at the top. Because that's, right. that's how the culture of an organization changes, where somebody brings in a coach, and and they're not going, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna be paternalistic here and pat somebody on the head, and I'm gonna be a good guy, get me good press for a year or two. If it doesn't work out, I'll just fire him and then bring in a white coach. You you bring in a black owner, you change the culture of that organization. And the only way you can get a black owner is that the owners vote to decide who is allowed into the club. You have to have a certain amount of them. And, and you know, it reminds me, you and I, Joe, talk a lot about the music industry. I remember James Brown used to tell me when I was riding around with him that in his early days, he would perform at venues where they literally, he and the band would have to get dressed on the bus because they were not allowed to use the dressing rooms in the venue they were going to perform, run on the stage uh, through the back door, perform, and go out sweaty and have to get uh, dressed again in the bus, which means that people wanted to see us perform, but they didn't see us equal. And that reminds me of the mm. setup that some of the mentality of our owners are. You get out there on the field now and throw that ball for me and catch that ball for me, but you can't be in the office and don't ever think you can be my equal as an owner. We have to break through that. Particularly, again, I keep emphasizing, since we're paying for it with tax dollars. Yeah, and, and, and Dave, people look at uh, big contracts here, big contracts there, but your NFL, not for long, really struck me. And that I'll just be, I'll be really blunt. I, uh, over the past several years, I've been watching the NFL less and less because uh, at times I think, wait a second, I'm not even letting my – I grew up playing football. You know, I started when I was nine. I played in my brother's league. He was like 12. And, and football is our life. It was our life. I don't let my kids play. And so a lot of times I'm looking out on the field. I'm looking at these kids, and they're kids because how old I am. 
and I see how much damage they're doing. Uh, it, it's like it's like car accidents. Every time there's a massive hit, it you know it, it does to their brain what a car accident would do to their brain. Okay, we're coming up on a break. Just back that up about thirty seconds or a minute or so. We're gonna pick this up on the other side of the break. Uh, and we'll get more into uh, this poll that um, came out a few days ago, came out February 9th from the uh, Los Angeles Times. And one of the things it talks about how it is uh, 45% of Republicans and those independents who lean toward voting Republican think the NFL is doing too much to respect black players. There's some other things uh, here in this poll we're going to get into. You listen to the African History Network show. I'm Michael M. Hotep. We'll be back in a few minutes. Soul in Motion, celebrating 38 years in the arts. This energetic ensemble of dancers and drummers was started by percussionist Michael Friend and is led by choreographer, associate director Pam Lassiter. Based in the Washington, D.C. area, Soul in Motion is now accepting bookings for Black History Month, Juneteenth, and summer festivals in 2022. Soul in Motion is also available for more intimate events like naming ceremonies and weddings. To find out more or book your date, call 240-452-1349 or send an email to info at soulinmotion.org. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Soul in Motion is celebrating our history, our culture, our future. Soul in Motion. Theater, African dance, and drumming since 1984. iRedify is a black-owned digital platform that showcases black and brown cultures and people. The books on the platform are written by African-American authors, Afro-Caribbean authors, African authors, and so much more. Kids 14 and under can read ebooks, listen to audiobooks, and complete learning activities. Kids can even write in the books digitally. Get unlimited access to everything on the platform for only $8.99 a month at iredify.com. Sign up for your membership today. And after History Network show, we deal with current events of history and politics, education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, relationships, love, sex, health issues, and much, much more. Unfortunately, many people confuse what racism means. Racism is a power structure. It was laws and policies that put us in this predicament. It's going to be laws and policies that take us out. So when you control the radius of a man or woman's thoughts, you control the compass of his or her actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. We have it all on 910 AM Superstation. 910, the Superstation, Detroit's only African-American talk radio. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Monday, February 14th, 2022, and we are live, and we know we are in the Acoma Day uh, season as well. Acoma Day is a African-centered alternative to Valentine's Day. Um you can still register for the uh, online classes I teach on Saturdays and Sundays. On Saturdays, it is Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, where they didn't teach you in school. 
Uh, we had a great session uh, this uh, past weekend. This is a 10-week online class that I teach. We deal with thousands of years of history and what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. So the class is on sale, $80, regularly $130. Register uh, this bonus content you can watch. You can watch the class we just did uh, this past weekend. I do the sessions live. All the sessions are archived and recorded. You can go back and watch them anytime. And then on Sundays, I, I teach from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. So next class is Sunday, February 20th. We do both of these classes, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, we have a, a bundle pack. You, you can register for both classes for $120. They're regularly $130 each. So that's a $260 value for $120. And um, you can we do the sessions live. All the sessions are archived and recorded, so you can watch them on demand. A year from now, if you want to go back and watch all the classes, you can do that as well. You'll have full access. Uh, if you've taken any of my online classes before with me, and I've been, I've been, I've been teaching these since 2017, uh, email us at ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com and you'll get uh, 50% off uh, the bundle pack. Okay. Email us at ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com. All right. I want to um, go back to our lead story. So we're going back to the clip in just a second, Shakita. Uh, there was, with all the talk of the Super Bowl, very little talk is about this uh, LA Times. Uh, survey monkey poll and the article from the LA Times came out Los Angeles Times came out February 9th 2022 many Republicans think the NFL does too much for black players and are losing interest in the league poll shows okay this is Mike Tomlin head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers so we know there's one other Lovey Smith was hired by the Houston Texans he's the other African-American head coach it's only two uh, Mike McDaniel for the Miami Dolphins doesn't count. Uh, the nation's relentless culture wars appear to have taken a t appear to have taken a toll, even on the NFL, with a large number of Republicans saying they have soured on the league and expressing disapproval of its efforts to improve the treatment of black players. A new Los Angeles Times Survey Monkey poll shows now, how many people have heard about this uh have heard about this poll and read articles on this businessinsider.com has a really good uh, article on this as well i was reading today uh so we'll, we'll look at the one for businessinsider.com i like the way they break things up um in the one for business insider also um okay so professional uh professional football remains extremely popular the poll found just more than half of uh, American adults say they regard themselves as fans of the NFL and an additional 15% say they're not fans, but plan to watch the Super Bowl, which will be played, uh, you know, was played Sunday, February 13th. Now it was expected that 184 people would watch the Super Bowl. All right. And if we look at the information from the uh, National Retail Federation, and we talked about this on Sunday's show. If we look at the information from the National Retail Federation, NRF.com, for uh, Super Bowl 56, uh, the latest consumer spending data from the National Retail Federation and Proper Insights and Analytics 2022 Super Bowl survey 
found that 185, 184.5 million U.S. adults said they plan to, to watch the Super Bowl, okay? And despite the ongoing impact of the pandemic, consumers felt more comfortable bringing back some game time traditions. Now, it is expected that the Super Bowl total spending on food, drinks, apparel, decorations, and other purchases for the for that one day, Super Bowl Sunday, was expected to reach $14.6 billion. $14.6 billion centered around one day. Okay. So this is uh this is big money. And we know Super Bowl commercials uh were going for in excess of five point five million dollars for 60 second commercial. Okay. Uh, I heard of one commercial that cost about a little over $6 million. All right, so check this out from uh, National Retail Federation dealing with Super Bowl six. Okay, let's go back to, uh, let's go back to the uh, clip from Morning Joe, uh, Shakita. Emphasize it, since we're paying for it with tax dollars. Yeah, and, and, and Dave, people look at uh, big contracts here, big contracts there, but your NFL, not for long, really struck me. And that I'll just be, I'll be really blunt. I, uh, over the past several years, I've been watching the NFL less and less because uh, at times I think, wait a second, I'm not even letting my, I grew up playing football. Yeah, you know, I started when I was nine. I played in my brother's league. He was like 12. And, and football is our life. It was our life. I don't let my kids play. And so a lot of times I'm looking out on the field, I'm looking at these kids, and they're kids because how old I am, and I see how much damage they're doing. Uh, it, it's, like, it's like car accidents. Every time there's a massive hit, it, you know, it, it does to their brain what a car accident would do to their brain. And I sit there and I think, my God, it's almost like gladiators. It is, it's, it's harder for me to watch the NFL than it is even college football right now. So, yeah, I, I don't see this as any great bargain for black players who are able to play. They make money. They make good money. Uh, a lot of times, fine, but at what cost? Exactly. Yeah, at a terrible price. I'll never forget uh, one NFL player said to me that this is the only job that when you retire – uh, you retire in your 30s or early 40s, and you go straight from being a young man to being elderly. Playing in the NFL denies you even the right to a middle age because of the, of the toll that it takes on your body, which is all the more reason why having some stake in the industry, whether management or ownership or whatever, is such an important issue for these NFL players because they want to feel like they're more than just pieces of meat rolled out onto the field on Sundays. Okay. Over the last couple of years. Uh, I th okay, I think there's a clip. Is there more of that, Shakita? Is there more of it? Okay. Um, is it? I think. Okay, I guess that's it. If there's more of it, let me know, because I don't remember. I watched that early this morning. Um, okay, so let's go back to this uh, article here. And calling number three one three seven seven eight seventy six hundred. It's a call in number if you have a question or comment. Now, as we talked about on yesterday's show, the uh, average career in the NFL is about 3.5, 3.6 seasons. Okay, that's the average career. Most of them don't play as long as Tom Brady. Okay, Tom Brady played like almost, what, seven, almost, he played like the equivalent to like almost seven <laughs> careers. <laughs> the average player does not last 20 years, 22, 23 years. No. 
the average career in the NFL coming from the NFL Players Association is about 3.5, 3.6 seasons. Okay. And what was not talked about is the lifelong injuries that they'll sustain after their playing days are over with, how many surgeries they have to have, things like this throughout their lifetime. So if we go back to this um, uh, study here, so it's, it's something important here I want to get to, and then I want to go to the one from uh, Business Insider. We'll look at that quickly. Then I want to look at this interview from RollingStone.com with Brian Flores, because he and uh, three other African-American players lay out solutions. They lay out solutions, and that's what they really focused on. So um, let's see. Okay, I want to go down to, let's see, page two. And we've got, okay, the group who say they are now lesser fans is disproportionately Republican, the poll found. Nearly half of those who identify themselves as Republicans or independents who lean to the GOP said their interests, said their interests had declined or over the last five years. By comparison, only one quarter of Democrats and independents who lean Democrats uh, said that. Now I want to increase the size of this here because the end of the article is like really the most crucial part. So it goes on to say, um, among adults nationwide, 22% said they thought the NFL was doing too much to show respect for black players. Among Republicans, so that's adults nationwide, regardless of political affiliation. Among Republicans, however, and Republican Republican leaning independents, among Republicans and Republican leaning independents, that number shot up to forty-five percent. Forty-five percent of Republicans and Republican leaning independents surveyed said the NFL is doing too much to show respect to African-American players. Only 5% of Democrats and Democratic leaning independents took that view. Now, if we go, then they talk about the Rooney Rule, okay? Um, and it shows, it, it shows the chart here also, which breaks this down. Uh, Republicans are much more likely than Democrats or independents to say that they're less of a fan of the NFL now than five years ago. Okay. Now among the 50, uh, among Democrats, 57% said the league was still not doing enough to show respect to black, uh, black players, 57%. Among Republicans, only 9% of Republicans said the league was not doing enough to show respect to African-Americans, African-American players. The partisan divide was far larger show gap on that question. The, the divide between Democrats and Republicans was much larger than the racial gap on that question. We'll continue this on the other side of the break. Listen to the African History Network show on Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Abundant Capital Group is a real estate investment company with over 20 years of experience in real estate. They specialize in two areas of real estate. One, they solve real estate problems with creative financing solutions that give the seller the most money for their property. And two, 
They show individuals how to get a higher rate of return on their investment capital with real estate note investing. If you are looking to sell or need to sell your property, here is what they provide. Market value offer, even if you have little or no equity, they typically pay all closing costs, which can be thousands of dollars. They close on a date of the seller's choosing and the seller does not have to be out of the house at the time of closing. They take the property in an as-is condition and the seller is not required to make any repairs. Give them a call or email them today for a free consultation and see how they can help you with your real estate needs. Call them at 973-475-8488. That's 973-475-8488. Visit their website, AbundantCapitalGroup.com. That's AbundantCapitalGroup.com. And email them at ACG at AbundantCapitalGroup.com. Follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Abundant Capital Group. STEM Forward, helping our community find their place in the emerging fields of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Join us for our monthly live stream on our website, stemforwardedu.org. Watch, subscribe, share. Also join our mailing list to stay up to date with STEM resources and opportunities. STEM Forward, the future is now. Watch, subscribe, share. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. It is Monday, February 14th, 2022, and we are live. All right, if you like this type of information, you can support the African History Network, dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App, dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App, also through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. And we have the information right on the homepage of our website also, um, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. All right. So this helps us keep doing the research, stay on the air, keep broadcasting. So if you like this type of information, that helps us to keep doing what we do. Uh, this is our official Cash App account. When you go to it, dollar sign, the AHN show, S-H-O-W, says Michael, shows my picture there. These other ones here are fake African History Network Cash App accounts. I did not set those up. You can click here for the link. And we also have the button there for PayPal as well. All right. And you can uh, also register for the online classes I teach on Saturdays and Sundays. We have that at our website as well, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Uh, and we have the classes in the bundle pack uh, also. All right. I want to go back to this article here from um, the Los Angeles Times. And I was looking at some different articles dealing with uh, this today. So the bottom, the, the the last part of the article is what I really want to zoom in on, and I want to go to this uh, interview that Rolling Stone did with Brian Flores here next. So the last part of this, uh, they, they talk about the Rooney Rule as well, 2003 Rooney Rule. If you scroll down here, um, okay, right here, uh, the rule does not appear. Where is that? The rule does not appear. Uh, the rule does not appear to have achieved its goal. The Rooney rule, the NFL currently has one black head coach, Mike Tomlin, which is two fewer than in 2003 when the rule took effect. Uh, so we know since we know since this, the uh, Houston Texans have hired uh, uh, Lovey Smith. OK, um, so they have two. OK, they have two African-American head coaches. Uh, yesterday on yesterday's show, we talked about the civil rights leaders who met with, uh, 
uh, Roger Goodell, lead commissioner on Monday, uh, February 7th. Now, despite the doubts about the rule's effectiveness, the Rooney rule, the uh, poll found that Americans approve of it by about two to one with African-Americans favoring the Rooney rule by 80%, okay? And the Rooney rule uh, for head coach positions, they have to interview at least two minority candidates for head coaches, all right? Now, Republicans, however, are split over the Rooney rule with 42% saying they approve of it compared with 52% of Republicans surveyed who disapprove of the Rooney rule. Now, the larger, the large number, the, okay, this is like, the, to me, probably like the most important point of this article. The large number of Republicans who oppose the Rooney rule and disapprove of the NFL's overall approach to its black players follows a growing trend within the party, within the GOP, the grand old party, within the Republican party. This follows a, th these ideas follow a growing trend within the Republican party. Republicans, especially those who identify themselves as conservatives are increasingly likely to say in polls and in political debates that discrimination against African-Americans or black Americans and other people of color is a thing of the past, is a thing of the past and that white Americans are now being discriminated against. This right here, the last paragraph is like the most important part of the article. Because if you back to Tim Scott, and Senator Tim Scott, Republican of South Carolina, and Tim Scott's uh, rebuttal to the uh, uh, to the address that President Joe Biden gave. Tim Scott said, "This is not a racist country," and he and he's he he was zooming in on talking about critical race theory. And the backlash to critical race theory, and this is a Republican attack on critical race theory. But then the sentence he said after that was extremely important. In that, in, in that sentence, people didn't key in on. The sentence he said after that was that it's something to the effect, and I'm trying to uh, pull up my article on it because I have the, uh, here we go. Okay, Tim Scott comments on race ignite fiery debate. What he said after that was like the most important thing of that 14, 15 minute speech that Tim Scott gave. He attacked efforts to address historical inequities through policy. Okay. So if we go, so all this stuff is connected. Tim Scott was not delivering the, the Tim Scott rebuttal to President Joe Biden's address. He was delivering the rebuttal on behalf of the GOP. Read this article here. We dealt with this here in depth on this show because we don't deal with that simple Simon ass nonsense floating around there on in, in social media. Read this from the Washington Post. Senator Tim Scott's comments on race ignite a fiery debate. People don't understand what's taking place. I said, no, people were attacking Tim Scott. I said, no, Tim Scott is delivering the message on behalf of the Republican Party.
you you falling for the banana in the tailpipe. April 29, 2021. Okay. Tim Scott said, hear me clearly. America's not a racist country. Scott, the only black Republican in the Senate, said in a televised GOP rebuttal to Biden's speech. This follows the policies coming from the GOP. The next, the next word that he the next sentence out of Tim Scott's mouth was it's backwards to fight discrimination with different types of discrimination. And it's wrong to try, try to use our painful past to dishonestly shut down debates in the present, which is why when you have policies to try to address historical inequities, they get attacked by Republicans. This is what Tim Scott was talking about. Once again, this is not the Tim Scott rebuttal. This is the GOP rebuttal delivered by Tim Scott, which follows their policies. And people got distracted by that black face. I'm not, no, you, you, you dealing with white supremacy through ventriloquism. You got to look at what's behind that. So this is why Tim Scott and Senator Lindsey Graham were attacking the $4 billion in debt relief that's in the, the $1.9 trillion American rescue plan for African-American farmers and Latino farmers and Native American farmers. And Tim Scott was on Fox News attacking it. Lindsey Graham was on Fox News calling it reparations and attacking it. And then right after uh, then right after this address that Tim Scott had, you had white farmers filing lawsuits to block the money, to block the debt relief that was supposed to go to African-American farmers. And they said the, the white farmers said they were being discriminated against and their, their constitutional rights were being violated. Those watching on Facebook and YouTube keep watching. We'll keep going for a few more minutes. Listen to the African History Network. Right now, it's correct wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. We'll count it forever. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. Okay, you got to go watch the, the Tim Scott's rebuttal was about 14 minutes and some change. Watch the whole thing. People get, I, I heard so many people who don't follow politics and don't understand history and law focusing on one sentence. He said, no. 99.9% .9 of the people talking about what he said missed what he said after that. What he said after that then ties into the whole ideology of the Republican Party because all these issues, all these policies that are designed to address historical inequities and structural inequities that especially negatively impact African Americans, all these policies are getting attacked by Republicans. And this is what he was, this is what he was talking about. So when, so then when you look at the, um, so then let me, let me see, let me close one of these. So then when you look at the policies that Republicans vote against that are beneficial to African-Americans, you see how all this is connected. Just like the George Floyd Justice and Police in that. All the Republicans in the, in the House of Representatives voted against the damn bill. And it was addressing racism in policing at the federal. It was addressing racism. In, that was one of the things it was doing. There's like 14 different things uh, in it. Okay. That was one of the things it was doing. This right here. This deals with policy, so just like with the with the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill. Um, 
Secretary of uh, Transportation Pete Buttigieg was at a White House press briefing, White House press secretary briefing, talking about um, historical discrimination when it comes to infrastructure. And part of the infrastructure bill is 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 designed to start addressing that issue. Okay, uh, let me see here. This where is that? Uh, that's dealing with uh, that's dealing with racism in uh, the infrastructure bill. Okay, this one right here. And after he after he gave this address, what he was saying was attacked by Republicans, like Senator Ted Cruz, because they don't want to they don't want to address the race the historical racism in infrastructure and in U.S. highways and where the highways ran through. This article right here from uh, I had to go into my archives for this. This article right here from April Ryan. April Ryan, White House, White House correspondent for uh, thegrio.com. Let me see what this, okay, here we go. Buttigieg breaks down how White House can undo racism built into US infrastructure. And this is part of the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill. So what he said, well, let me see. Let me close, close out some of this stuff here. Hold on. I got about 50 tabs open. Let's close some of this. Uh, okay. Secretary Pete Buttigieg tells the Grio how Biden's soon-to-be-signed investment law will bring equity to black and disadvantaged neighborhoods. This is from November 8th, 2021. So we know the bill passed and was signed into law, okay? It was uh, Democrats and Republicans in the Senate uh, put the bill together. Now, only 19 Republicans in the Senate voted for the bill out of 50. Only 19 voted for it. When it went to the House, only 13 Republicans out of 212 Republicans voted for the bill. So it was over, had overwhelming support from Democrats. Now, U.S. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg signaled on Monday during an appearance at the White House press secretary briefing that many of the projects funded by the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill, many of the jobs funded, many of the projects funded by the infrastructure bill would boost the economy, create jobs, and fix a lot of America's crumbling and antiquated infrastructure. Okay, the grill posed a question from the briefing uh, briefing room to Secretary Buttigieg about the administration plans to implement its its Justice 40 initiative, which is intended to ensure that at least 40% of overall federal investment in climate and clear energy goes towards disadvantage goes toward disadvantaged communities. All right, now the okay, this is part I want to get to is where he starts talking about uh the history. Part of physical infrastructure. Okay. Part of the physical infrastructure plan is to is to design some roadways, highways, and beltways that were 
built before the mid-1960s with the intent to segregate communities. Secretary Pete Buttigieg emphasized that he is still shocked. He's still shocked by the surprise of many people that some of the nation's roadways were built with racial intent. Secretary Buttigieg spoke with thegrio.com back in April 2021 about how racism is literally built into some of the United States infrastructure. He said, quote, if an underpass has, if an underpass was constructed, hold on, if an underpass was constructed such that a bus carrying mostly black and Puerto Rican kids to a beach in New York was designed too low for it to pass by, that that obviously reflects racism that went into those design choices. Pete Buttigieg told uh, thegrio.com. And this is a tweet here from thehill.com that commented because Pete Buttigieg said this in the White House press briefing. And then this got a lot of comments from, this got a lot of backlash from Republicans. Okay. In his remarks, Secretary Buttigieg appeared to be making a historical reference to efforts led by urban planners like Robert Moses. Now, in a subsequent, in a subsequent comment after that, like the next day, he talked about Robert Moses. All right. Robert Moses, who infamously designed low bridges in New York City to beaches to keep buses from passing underneath and by proxy and by proxy shutting out black and brown communities due to socioeconomic class overwhelmingly relied on public transportation. Buttigieg also made a reference to Robert Moses in, in the Griot's earlier sit down with him. Well, if he said, quote, well, if you're in Washington, I'm told that the history of that highway is one that was built at the expense of communities of color in the Washington, D.C. area. There are stories. And I think Philadelphia and Pittsburgh and New York, Robert Moses famously saw uh, through the construction of a lot of highways, Buttigieg said at the time. Now, Secretary Buttigieg explained to thegrio.com during Monday's press briefing how the government could help undo the harm of today's existing infrastructure in communities of color. He said, quote, it, it's, going to, it's going to vary by community and we have to listen. Sometimes it really, it, it really is the case that an overpass went in a certain way that is so harmful that, it got, that it's got to come down and maybe be put underground because you had a lot of these highways. So, so this ties into the, the article that we talked about here before from NBC News called um, um, Bisected and What is it called? Um, hold on. What's the name of that? It's a, it's a huge article from um, Bisected and Divided and Bisected, something like that. Let me pull this one up. Bulldoze and Bisected. That's the name of it. Bulldoze and Bisected. You read this one right here. This deals with all this history. 
and it was public policy that created the problem, it's going to be public policy that solves the problem. But what happens after Buttigieg's uh, statements, he, he got attacked by many Republicans saying that either uh, they, they either said that there wasn't racism in infrastructure or they said it was back in the 1920s and 30s and doesn't impact us today. Yes, it does. Bulldozed and bisected. Highway construction, a legacy of inequality. This is a huge piece from uh, NBC News. This is from June 18th, 2021. So we talked about it here on this show when it came out because we deal with real substance here. What has changed decades after the Federal Aid Highway Act of 1956? It brought 41,000 miles of interstate highways that went across the country. And what's changed is the recognition of the harm that was done to communities left in the shade of these now aging roadways. From 1957 to 1977, the federal, the, the U.S. Uh, uh, Highway Act displaced over 475,000 households and 1 million people according to the U.S. Department of Transportation. Now, as many of these hulking structures reach obsolescence, the federal government in many states and cities are belatedly recognizing the harm they caused and are working with communities to design alternatives that repair the damage. But in many cases, those plans are reopening old wounds and leading to protracted debates that politicians and engineers are struggling to solve. Okay, so read, read the rest of the, read the rest. Of this is a big article. We spent two or three days dealing with this topic here, back in back in June when this came out. Um, and what you have is you have a lot of Republicans. The comments that Buttigieg made. They attacked the comments and didn't want to deal with the reality, didn't want to deal with the history. That ties into the comments from uh, Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina when he said it's backwards to fight discrimination with different types of discrimination. This is what he said directly after Hear me clearly, America is not a racist country because policies that are proposed to, uh, to deal with structural inequities, overwhelmingly Republicans are against those policies. So then when we look at the survey from the Los Angeles Times and we look at the, we look at the, last, the last paragraph of the article, which to me is like the most important part of this of this piece because the the, the way you treat a people is based upon uh, is based upon what you think about a people what you think about a people is based upon what you have been taught about a people what you've been taught about a people is based upon everything you've read heard and seen about a people and your understanding of history okay influences your politics and influences the policies you support and who you vote for republicans 
especially those who identify themselves as conservatives, are increasingly likely to say in polls and political debates that discrimination against black Americans and other people of color is a thing of the past and that white Americans are now being discriminated against because as they have a decreasing population and as we move close, the, the, the 2020 census showed that the percentage of white people in this country dropped below 60% for the first time since 1790 when the first census was taken. And now that population is down to 57% nationwide. And as we get closer to the year 2043, because 2043 is predicted that white people will no longer be the majority population in this country. So we see increasing and increasing weaponization of white grievance and more white people saying they're the ones being victimized by discrimination and racism. And we see it reflected in this poll also. Okay, so read this article here from um, Los Angeles Times. Many Republicans think the NFL does too much for black players and are losing interest in uh, the league, poll shows. This is from February 9th, 2022. Businessinsider.com has a really good article dealing with this topic also. This article from Business Insider is from... Um, February 13th, day of the Super Bowl. A lot of people didn't see it. They were distracted by the Super Bowl and the singing and dancing of the halftime show. Uh, more than half of Republicans oppose Rooney Rule, which mandates NFL teams interview minority candidates for head, head coaching positions. More than half of Republicans oppose Rooney Rule which mandates NFL teams interview minority candidates for head coaching positions. This is from February 13, 2022. A new LA Times survey monkey poll reveals that 52% of Republicans oppose the NFL's Rooney rule. So, so read the rest of this also. Um, they have a good breakdown of the statistics there. That's from businessinsider.com. Now, for the sake of time, because some of the rest of the stuff we're going to get to tomorrow, um, I want to look at this one here. We'll talk about Valentine's Day tomorrow. There was an article that I wrote back in uh, 2015-2016 dealing with the history of Valentine's Day. So um, I'm going to post the link here. You can read this article. We'll talk about it some more tomorrow because it's been a long day. This deals with why do African-Americans celebrate Valentine's Day? And it deals with the origins of Valentine's Day and going back to the ancient Roman festival of uh uh, February, uh, I think it's uh, not exactly sure how you pronounce it. Why do African Americans celebrate Valentine's Day? Do we really know what we're celebrating? Okay, uh, so I wrote this back in uh, 2016, and you know, we talked about a coma day 
uh, here. We'll talk about that some more tomorrow because Tacoma Day is uh, is actually a, a seven day celebration. So we'll talk about that some uh, some tomorrow. Uh, what is this here? Okay, here's the link for this article. So I write articles also. I just don't have time to do it now. Um, I wrote this February 14, 2016. Back then, the National Retail Federation reported that Americans would spend $19.7 billion on uh, Valentine's Day. And uh, this year, it's expected that uh, Americans will spend uh, $23.9 billion on Valentine's Day. This is from the National Retail Federation. NRF.com, Valentine's Day. Um, Valentine's Day 2022 saw $23.9 billion spent on gifts for partners, friends, pets, and more. 23.9, almost $24 billion. Valentine's Day spending is expected to reach $23.9 billion this year, up from $21.8 billion in 2021, in the second, second highest year on record. The second highest year on record. Okay, in 2016, it was uh, $19 billion, $19.7 billion. Okay, so read the rest of this. We'll get into the history tomorrow. Read that article because we'll press for time here. Um, this, we'll, we may look at this uh, some more tomorrow, probably so. This article from the Rolling Stone. This article with um, this interview from the Rolling Stone, done with Brian Flores and some other uh, some former NFL players. This gets to what I was talking about, what I've been talking about the past few days. That this is about ownership. First and foremost, first and foremost, is not about black coaches. It's about ownership. Owning the team, owning owning the teams. So Rolling Stone uh, magazine interviewed Brian Flores and um, three uh, uh, and three NFL players. One is a former player to go deep on how a league that's seventy percent black but only has two black coaches could address its racist hiring practices and systemic inequality. How the NFL could address its racist hiring practices and systemic inequality. Name of this article, number one is ownership. Brian Flores on how to fix the NFL's diversity problem. Now we'll talk about this some more tomorrow, but if we go through and skip to number one, what they said, what Brian Flores said, and if we go to uh, right here, it they asked the question. So this is written by um, Sean Harper for Rolling Stone. 
and he asked the question. So what did we talk about? They didn't, they didn't deal a whole lot with the problems. And they ain't talk about the Rooney Rule and all that stuff. They ain't spend a lot of time on that. They talked about solutions. They talked about solutions. He said, these men are experts, okay, and have insights on how to diversify its highest ranks. So they interviewed um, Brian Flores and, let's see, page two, uh, Mercedes Lewis, who's currently plays for the Green Bay Packers, Khalil McKenzie. Let's go up here. So they interviewed Brian Flores, uh, Mercedes Lewis, who currently plays for the Green Bay Packers, Khalil McKenzie, okay, who was in his third season with the Baltimore Ravens, and uh, Akin uh, Ayodele, a retiree who played for the Jacksonville Jaguars, Dallas Cowboys, Miami Dolphins, and Buffalo Bills. So they interviewed these four African-American men. Now, first and foremost, Brian Flores says it's about ownership. The first thing, the first thing, number one, is black ownership. When we talk about solutions, we must have a seat at the table, at the owner's table. There are no black voices in those meetings. There are no black voices in those meetings. Okay, the first thing, number one, is black ownership. We must have a seat at the owner's table. There are no black voices in those meetings, end quote. Now, league expansion would present adding more teams to the league, expansion teams, because there are 32 teams right now. League expansion would present a serious opportunity for black ownership, Brian Flores says. Now, um, uh, Akin Ayodole notes that it isn't just owners, but also general managers who have a majority say in head coach selection. So we're focusing on owners, number one, two general managers. He said there are not enough black men in the pool from which scouts pool general managers. There are not enough black men in the pool from which scouts pool general managers. Okay. So read the rest of this. They, they made some really good recommendations. So hopefully these are people, uh, when we looked at the uh, piece from um, ESPN on yesterday's show, uh, uh, Commissioner Roger Goodell, uh, the press conference he had last Wednesday, Wednesday, February 9th. Um, and he said the NFL fell short. Okay. Remember this article we talked about on yesterday's show from ESPN. He said the, uh, uh Commissioner Roger Goodell says NFL fell short in hiring of minority head coaches. And he said that they were going to bring in outside experts to tell them why the why the team owners are so racist. The NFL continues to have a total of five minority head coaches. And uh, after two were fired and two were hired this offseason, reiterating that he has invited outside experts to consult on possible ways forward. Roger Goodell at the, at the press conference he had Wednesday, February 9th said every option will be on the table, including 
the elimination and replacement of the league's Rooney rule, which doesn't work, which legislates diverse interview policies, but has not had the desired impact on hiring. Okay. So uh, you can go back and read that as well. Now, those outside experts, they should have some of these guys at the Rolling Stone, uh, Rolling Stone interviewed as outside experts. And also Colin Kaepernick should be an outside expert, outside expert also. All right. Let me see something here. This is a graphic we showed yesterday. When we played the interview from uh, Brian Flores on MSNBC. Now, this is from, uh, I think this is from February 5th. So this is before Lovey Smith was hired by the uh, Houston Texans. So it's two black head coaches now, 32 teams, two black head coaches, seven black general managers, two minority team owners, none of them African-American, seven women team owners, all white. Okay, 70.7% players of color in 2021. This is diversity in the NFL. All right, uh, be sure to register. Who still needs to register for the online classes I teach on uh, Saturdays and Sundays? On Saturday, it is Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa. Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa. Understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Next class is Saturday, February 19th. Uh, visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can register for the class. It's on sale $80, regularly $130. Uh, if you've taken classes with me before, email me at show at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com because you're going to get a 50% discount and you'll get 50% off on the bundle pack. Um, I'm going to post a link here to register for the class. As soon as you register, you can watch the class we just did uh, this past weekend. There's bonus content also. You're going to get bonus lectures from me as well. The uh, 15 uh, uh, lecture uh Michael M. Hotel Black History Month bundle pack. You're going to get that in digital format um, when you register for the classes. Also, you can order the you can order it in DVD format. It's on sale, hundred dollars. But when you register for uh, this online this ten week online class, you get it in digital format. And then on Sundays, uh, two p.m. to four p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Because Saturday and Sundays the classes at the same time, two p.m. to four p.m. I teach from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement of Black Power, 1865-1968. Next class is Sunday, February 20th. And uh, in both classes, I do a PowerPoint presentation. We have book references, articles, video clips. And uh, we go through and look at this history chronologically. We go through and look at this history chronologically to understand what happened in the past to better understand the present and what needs to take place in the future. Okay. Um Okay, so what you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. So we, we also have the classes in the bundle pack. Uh, of course, bundle. So you can uh, get both classes for uh, $120. It's a $260 value. And if you're taking classes with me before 
uh, email me at ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com for a uh, 50% discount also. All right. We have to get out of here. Uh, remember, at the African History Network, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and on the world because right now it's correct wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. We're kind of forever. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. The work that I do is larger than the fashion industry. It's larger than the art world. And I believe that I was born to bring newness into this world. I'm Kaima McIntyre. I'm 24 years old and I'm an artist. I create everything from paintings to jewelry design, metaphysical jewelry to be specific, and fashion design. The only reason why my prom dress went viral is because people needed it. Within a few days of going viral, Notori Naughton reached out to me and she's like, I saw your dress, can you make me a dress? I was equally as shocked to be asked by a celebrity to design their dress at the age of 17. That's just one person and the list just continues to go on to Janet Jackson, to Tyra Banks. It really hits home. That means that the discussion is happening on the grounds in real time. Come and travel with me to a time long ago and place far away. You will experience high adventure and excitement. You are fighting alongside an ancient army in fierce battle. Feel the exhilaration of struggle and final conquest. My name is Maninkare and I am both a prince and a priest in one of the most advanced civilizations humans have ever produced. I want you to ride with me in my chariot as I slay the barbarians who have come to invade my land. I invite you to sit at the conference table with the great pharaoh Taharqa and his ministers as they plan intrigue and use subterfuge to outmaneuver and defeat the enemy. Come back with me to the land of your ancestors, to the beautiful land of Kemet. So open the pages of this book and begin the adventure. Find out what happens in the book Maninkare Battles the Assyrians in the Nile Valley from author Makari Jones. Get your copy today at Amazon.com. iRedify is a black-owned digital platform that showcases black and brown cultures and people. The books on the platform are written by African-American authors, Afro-Caribbean authors, African authors, and so much more. Kids 14 and under can read ebooks, listen to audiobooks, and complete learning activities. Kids can even write in the books digitally. Get unlimited access to everything on the platform for only $8.99 a month at iRedify.com. Sign up for your membership today. STEM Forward, helping our community find their place in the emerging fields of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Join us for our monthly live stream on our website, stemforwardedu.org. Watch, subscribe, share. Also join our mailing list to stay up to date with STEM resources and opportunities. STEM Forward, the future is now. Watch, subscribe, share. Abundant Capital Group is a real estate investment company with over 20 years of experience in real estate. They specialize in two areas of real estate. One, 
They solve real estate problems with creative financing solutions that give the seller the most money for their property. And two, they show individuals how to get a higher rate of return on their investment capital with Real Estate Note Investing. If you are looking to sell or need to sell your property, here is what they provide. Market value offer, even if you have little or no equity, they typically pay all closing costs, which can be thousands of dollars. They close on a date of the seller's choosing, and the seller does not have to be out of the house at the time of closing. They take the property in an as-is condition, and the seller is not required to make any repairs. Give them a call or email them today for a free consultation and see how they can help you with your real estate needs. Call them at 973-475-8488. That's 973-475-8488. Visit their website, AbundantCapitalGroup.com. That's AbundantCapitalGroup.com. And email them at ACG at AbundantCapitalGroup.com. Follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Abundant Capital Group. Mental health and well-being have long been a taboo subject in the so-called African-American community. So I enlisted the help of mental health experts, thought leaders, and activists to help kill the ghost of Willie Lynch and heal from post-traumatic slave syndrome. We experience trauma a lot of times um, on a subconscious level. So sometimes something happens to us and we know that it's traumatizing, but we don't really recognize the extent of the trauma. They are emotionally constipated and emotionally obese because again, all the things that we experienced in childhood, we suffocated and we stored in our body. It's a time to kill and it's a time to heal. We've been haunted by the ghost of Willie Lynch and his doctrine of self-refueling trauma for too long. It's time for Willie to die. Die, Willie. It's time for the ghost LOXD block. It's time to kill the ghost of Willie Lynch and get out the matrix. Check out my man Ron Life Speaks at DieWilly.com. Jeanette Davis is a well-established author with six published books. Black Survival in White America from Past History to the Next Century was published in 1995, and it delves into the history of African Americans before slavery up to contemporary times. The Great Divide Between Blacks and Whites was released in 2008, and her autobiography, Black Just Like My Mama, was published in 2010. Soulful Journey, The Business of Beings, was released in December 2021, and her two latest books, Echoes from the Heart, Love Throws Poetry, and Master Being Human, were both published in January of 2022. Jeanette Davis' writings delve deeply into the psyche of black people from ancient to contemporary times. She cuts no corners and leaves no stones unturned in relating truth, letting the chips fall where they may on both African and European doorsteps. Order Jeanette Davis's books today at Amazon.com. Search for Jeanette Davis and get to know her work today. What does self-care mean to you? To us, it's an opportunity to reconnect with nature. A chance to create something remarkable. At Sage and Elm Apothecary, our handcrafted skin care and household products immerse you in Earth's sweetest nectar, connecting you to nature in a way you never imagined. 
See for yourself and visit us at sageandelmapothecary.com. Soul in Motion, celebrating 38 years in the arts. This energetic ensemble of dancers and drummers was started by percussionist Michael Friend and is led by choreographer, associate director Pam Lassiter. Based in the Washington, D.C. area, Soul in Motion is now accepting bookings for Black History Month, Juneteenth, and summer festivals in 2022. Soul in Motion is also available for more intimate events like naming ceremonies and weddings. To find out more or book your date, call 240-452-1349 or send an email to info at soulinmotion.org. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Soul in Motion, celebrating our history, our culture, our future. Soul in Motion, theater, African dance, and drumming since 1984. Abundant Capital Group is a real estate investment company with over 20 years of experience in real estate. They specialize in two areas of real estate. One, they solve real estate problems with creative financing solutions that give the seller the most money for their property. And two, they show individuals how to get a higher rate of return on their investment capital with real estate note investing. If you are looking to sell or need to sell your property, here is what they provide. Market value offer, even if you have little or no equity, they typically pay all closing costs, which can be thousands of dollars. They close on a date of the seller's choosing and the seller does not have to be out of the house at the time of closing. They take the property in an as is condition and the seller is not required to make any repairs. Give them a call or email them today for a free consultation and see how they can help you with your real estate needs. Call them at 973-475-8488. That's 973-475-8488. Visit their website, AbundantCapitalGroup.com. That's AbundantCapitalGroup.com. And email them at ACG at AbundantCapitalGroup.com. Follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Abundant Capital Group. What does self-care mean to you? To us, it's an opportunity to reconnect with nature. A chance to create something remarkable. At Sage and Elm Apothecary, our handcrafted skin care and household products immerse you in Earth's sweetest nectar, connecting you to nature in a way you never imagined. See for yourself and visit us at sageandelmapothecary.com. <laughs> 